The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are back in playoff mode. Uh, The league did take a two-day pause for reasons we're all pretty well aware of. Um, and, uh, reasons that, well, some people will agree with and well, other people I don't need to hear from. Um, there you go. Uh, Interestingly enough though, it it would seem like some teams didn't come back quite as aggressively as others or, or in, in the right mindset or, or whatever. Well, some teams came back in exactly the shape that they uh, physical and mental shape that they left uh, the mini pause uh, or boycott, boycott or protest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in yes, agreed. Um, um, I I can't I couldn't imagine myself saying this three years ago. Um, the Bruins are flipping terrible. Uh, not huh. not bad, not. Out of sync, flipping terrible. Their effort is completely inconsistent. There they go. When it They're exists. Off. I do have, uh, wait, wait, wait. I do have one thing I want to say, and I want to get it out of the way real quick before we jump into the Bruins because I'm ready to jump all over them as well. Um, completely unrelated to anything we're talking about, completely not hockey, but. For two seconds, I just want to say rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman uh, because I thoroughly yes. enjoyed his acting chops in everything he's done, not just the Marvel movies. We saw him in 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges, for those who haven't seen it, is one of the best suspense-laden action movies of the last two or three decades. I do not get kept guessing as long and as deep into a movie as I was for that. We, yeah, the two of us, we did go see that together. The two of us both, it, it, both uh, well into the movie before we started even figuring things out. And you probably went longer than I, I'm, you probably figured it out quicker than I did, but it was just a thoroughly enjoying movie. It, it was th- it was thoroughly enjoying to watch this man perfect his craft, and to be taken at forty three years old of colon cancer is just way too young. And to me, the thing is, even with the colon cancer, even with the ridiculous schedule that he kept up uh, prior to. Uh, the general lockdown worldwide. You never heard anything bad about him. I didn't even know he had the colon cancer. Well, no one did. Like, he had his inner circle, his doctors, and that's about it. I'm going to guess the family. Yeah, I'm inner circle. Okay, I'm going to guess the family knew. But, I mean, it, it, it apparently it was diagnosed the Four year that the... That was the year that he made an appearance as uh, Black Panther in Avengers yep. Civil War, I believe. Yes. And then he went and did a full-blown Black Panther movie. It, it, never once did I see or hear anything. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was out there. But I don't ever recall him 
ever saying I have cancer. I don't recall his family no. or no. publicist or anybody. None of that. So didn't ask for sympathy, just did what he did because he felt it was – I don't know if it was a combination of I love doing this, if it was mostly I love doing this, if he wanted to take care of his family, um, if he just felt, you know, I signed these contracts, I need to fulfill my end, whatever it was, thank you. Um, and I hope your family got to spend uh, enough time with you to uh, – have no regrets. Way too soon. Rest in power, King. Okay, back to hockey. I just wanted to get that out there because it was it was tough when I, I didn't even know it happened. So it was tough, and I just wanted to acknowledge that, wow, he was beyond just the Marvel thing. He was a fabulous actor. Back to the Bruins. I back agree with Bruins. you. Terrible. Inconsistent. Uh, too reliant upon one line. Uh, which line is it, though? I mean, theoretically, the best line has been uh, Charlie uh, uh, Charlie Coyle's line. Agreed. I mean, Marchand has made enough really good individual efforts to be leading the team and second or third in the league in scoring. Um, Pasternak has been indifferent. Crate. Uh, until this round, you could have made an argument that Krejci was uh, the Boston Bruins con Smythe winner. Um, he would certainly be the he would certainly be the one that I would recommend for the con Smythe off of this team. Uh, it, the guy was playing like he was he's five playing, or seven years younger than his current self. Uh, and. <laughs> 10 okay let's go back to the 2011 playoffs or so 13 that's essentially yeah uh, leading the leading the team um as much as i as much as he hasn't scored a single goal but kasha has actually looked like he's starting to fit into the squad but overall this team is just eh, awful even uh, even when a line manages to summon uh a coherent managers to summon coherent play that actually sees them making passes consistently. It doesn't last three shifts. Like you don't see a, even any line, even, even the coil line have three good shifts in a row. Um, did Nick Ritchie, uh, oh, mess oh. things up with some stupid play. Oh, we're going to get me last started on that one. Okay. Absolutely. Is he the reason that they lost? No. No, it's a complete combination of... Here's a little-known fact about hockey. If you don't score, you can't win. Some guy named Gretzky made a statement a long time ago that 100% of the shots not taken don't go in. I don't think that that was a complete statement. (laughs) Um, I mean, it, it, it's wonderful and he's absolutely right, but it's not just about shots not taken. It's about um, it's about getting shots into the net. And oh, by the way, playing defense, which there have been times where some of the guys will look good. Carlo has looked pretty good. Grizzly has looked pretty has good. Looked good. Grizzly may have been the best defenseman on the team this postseason. But and we talk- I, I know I have a bias. I know I really, really like Grizzly and have 
since he was drafted. Yeah. We but I had... genuinely think he might have been the best. People are going to sit here and tell me that anyone who's going to get ready to say that Charlie McAvoy really isn't getting enough credit, you're First right. All, He's not getting enough negative credit. First of all, Charlie McAvoy is responsible for at least three of the goals that the Lightning have scored. And I mean Two physically. Two of them went off of him in, in one, one game. game. <laughs> in like, one two game, of them went the guy standing there deflecting pucks into our net. <laughs> so here's the uh, – here's the um, – Here's a stat that you don't get talked about, you don't hear talked about enough. Um, the goals for and against this is admittedly at even strength, um, which which is probably the most fair measure. But um, Patrice Bergeron on ice uh, for uh, six goals for three goals against, um, and he has the highest uh, on ice even strength goals for percentage. At 66.7, which when you look at the other teams, almost everyone is over 70 uh, for the top player on their team. Without mm-hmm. looking, can you guess Not who the looking. top defenseman is? On the Bruins? Yes. For on defense. ice, uh, even strength goal for percentage. Uh, Connor Clifton. He's actually second, uh, but he hasn't played that as many games as most of the rest. But Brandon Carlo is first, but his percentage is only 53.3. Admittedly, he hasn't scored in the postseason, which we don't really expect from him. Um, no, he's a defensive defenseman. It's not, he's, not the, he, he's not the guy that you look for all the goals coming from the blue line. Um, now, people have said that Chara hasn't looked good or Chara has been terrible. I mostly think Chara has been invisible. I I've been I and we talked about this uh I the other I night think that he's just he I he looks slow he looks I don't want to say looks, beat, beatable he, he looks like, uncertain and I think that there's two reasons for that I don't think he's as fit as he normally is it, it just I'm just saying it whether it's age whether it's the lockdown I don't know but I don't think he's as fit as he normally is. And number two would be his regular partner. His regular partner, Charlie McAvoy, <laughs> is 14th on the team at 33% uh, goals for. He's been on the ice for 14 even strength goals against. 14. Do you know how many players on the roster have been on the ice for more goals against than him? The goaltender. Uh, well, skaters. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, more than him. Uh, the number would be Chara? zero. No. Chara has been on the ice for four less even strength goals against than Charlie McAvoy. I figured the number was close to zero, but I needed it's, to make a guess. It's zero. Uh, and people, you know, people talk about Krug. Uh, not being a great defender, I'm not even going to argue with them anymore. I, I don't think he's elite. Uh, he's probably not, almost certainly not in the top 30% in the league defensively, which isn't what earns his paycheck anyways. He hasn't looked, He and I made this comment to you as well, he hasn't looked right either. He looks, 
and and then you made an interesting statement to me about Tory Krug. He in looked a, like in a couple was, of games he looked like he was playing not to get hurt. That's it. Which maybe is unfair, or maybe he's simply disgusted with the level of play of some of his coworkers. I would be. Um, but he's he's been on the ice for five less goals against at even strength than Charlie McAvoy. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Did you ever think stop? Did you ever in somewhere in your mind? Did you ever think that Joachim Nordstrom would be the number one player on the team in hits? Um, honestly, I think that's the only thing that keeps him on the roster. Yeah, but to I be think, number, I didn't think he'd be number one though. Realistically, I think top, in top three maybe, but I didn't think he'd be the number one player on the team in 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 hitting. Now, granted, the Nick Richies of the world aren't playing in every single game, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but I could see Nick Richie being a big hitter. I think that's all he seems to do well. Uh Maybe Wagner. I could see Wagner being top on the team in hits because he is a physical presence. But when he does it, it's not at the expense of losing the puck. It's not at the expense of not paying attention to the play around him. When he gets physical behind the net, behind the opposing team's net, when he gets physical in the corners, the dirty areas, he's Mm -hmm. fighting for pucks. He's scrapping. Chris Wagner is... uh, Back when we had the Merlot line, he would have been a nice fourth member of that line or, or third member. What he he fits in so well. He's not going to be your number one goal scorer. He's not going to be your number one of anything really. But he's 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 up there when it comes to effort given and puck retrieval and physical play. I, I like watching Chris Wagner play. Yeah, uh, Chris Wagner is, is aggressively underrated, um, and I think that's because he's the least visible, most Swiss Army knife player on that line. He's really good for a fourth liner at a bunch of stuff, but he's not. He doesn't have that big game. Uh, flash of Sean Corrali or quite the mm, assertiveness in the corners and in open ice. Um, And Lindholm hits everything that's not wearing a Bruins jersey every game he plays, um, every shift he plays. Nordstrom, you mean? Um, You You said Par Lindholm, who they finally decided to insert back into the lineup for one game. The I don't know. Between the team itself and Cassidy's management of it, I'm baffled and confused at best. I, I, I think that Cassidy has, again, not helped his team as a coach. I think he visibly hurt the team in last year's Stanley Cup Finals, I think he has failed to help them in this Stanley Cup Final or in the Stanley Cup run. Now I, the team, 
I didn't understand sitting Connor Clifton for the second for the for the third game, whatever it was, the the third game. Why game. in the world was John Moore on the ice? Why in the world Thank did you, you play seven uh, seven defensemen? Uh, in well, Tam- one of the defensemen well, Tampa was Bay did it the game before, so I don't care. John Cooper is a <laughs> don't get me started on Cooper. <laughs> a low average coach. <laughs> Now, now who's the one being nice? <laughs> um, clearly not me, because there are dozens and dozens of below-average coaches who are grotesquely insulted at the moment. <laughs> I mean, there is one. There is one thing that I did, and when you mentioned Nick Ritchie, it, it's the one thing that I took issue with in the game. And I understand that if you watch Nick Ritchie's hit on Yanni Gord in slow, super slow motion, and you watch Yanni Gord fly frame by frame into the boards, that hit was still not, it, it was still shoulder on shoulder or chest on shoulder. It was not a hit from behind. He was not staring at the at, at Gord's numbers. And they gave him a five-minute mat, five-minute major. They didn't give him a match penalty, my understanding. I, I think Richie Correct. was actually out there for the third period but they gave him five minutes boarding when Cedric Paquette hit Carson Kuhlman the same way in the first period and and, and the thing that really got to me it wasn't even the fact that okay they didn't call his but they called the other one the thing that bothered me most was just how forgetful the announcers are or I don't know you're trying not to stay biased again aren't you yes when Richie did it first thing out of Boucher's mouth was that's a dirty hit but when Cedric Paquette did it to Carson Kuhlman same style it wasn't in the back it was chest to shoulder it wasn't a completely behind the back full on boarding it was a, a legal hit. But when he did it, all it was, according to Boucher and the guys in the booth, it, it was uh, Eddie Olchick. It was a hockey play. It, it, that's a hockey hit. It's a legal hit. That's a good hit. But when Richie mm-hmm. did it, it's suddenly the dirtiest thing happening. Oh, I, you know what? I, I think the biggest issue with these playoffs in the bubble, and I genuinely mean this. Mm hmm. There has been a lack of genuine ice level controversy. Every little tiny thing that might that in a normal playoff year would be completely ignored, whether you're talking Milbury's comments or Richie's hit has been blown up and magnified because there's nothing. If you're once you finally finish analyzing the game, there's not much else to talk about. Agreed. We haven't seen many. We haven't seen much in the way of injuries, and most of, the, and with the way that they're coding injuries this year with as unfit to play, whether you know someone left the ice with bones poking through their skin, or you know they have the sniffles. They're, um, not, they're not allowed to say they're, unfit they're, to play. That's the rules that they put in place. You're not allowed to say. You're not even allowed to say the dreaded LBI or UBI or UBI. 
somebody gets somebody gets hurt somebody can't all all you're allowed to say is unfit to participate don't know what's wrong with them and that and 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 it's not like telling somebody they have an upper or lower body injury gives them a whole lot more information to begin with but yeah it this whole thing with unfit to participate it it throws kind of a specter on the whole thing and it, but it, the officials, the, the officiating in that particular game, and I don't agree with Cassidy on a lot of stuff, but Cassidy did come out and make all kinds of comments about the officiating. In this particular case, yes, I do agree with him. And I think that the commentary, because we don't have anything else to look at, I think they aren't helping the situation. I mean, the hits were the same. They were away from the boards. They were legal for the most part but why one is dirty and the other one is a good legal hit I don't know I don't want to turn around and say well it's because of which team was hitting which or because Nick Ritchie outweighs Yanni Gord by 50 pounds or whatever but it was just it doesn't make sense to me and I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's not the reason the Bruins are losing. It's not even close to the reason the Bruins are losing. Speaking of close to the reason or not close to the reason that uh, the Bruins are losing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what say uh, what save percentage Tuukka Rask uh, abandoned the bubble with? <laughs> it's not a fair question because. Uh, not only have I looked it up previously, but we also discussed about it pre-show. So I will say, yes, it's a 904. Is that good? Um, no. Is that elite? Well, it's not elite. Is it good? It depends on the goaltender. Uh, uh, what you're expecting out of Tuka Rask? No, it's not good. And it's definitely you, not elite. What you're paying for out of Tuka Rask, yeah, it, it's not good. Um, so theoretically had Tuca performed at the level that, you know, he's paid to, They'd the still Bruins be would have situation. been, the Bruins would not be playing the Tampa Bay lightning because That's they would have won possibility. Yeah. Because they would have won at least one and possibly two of the, of the, uh, round Robin games. No one has to be perfect. I don't expect it. Didn't expect it of Byron Defoe or Tim Thomas or Andy Moog. I don't know. That, I, I think the Bruins had a chip on their shoulder during the round robin, or they just didn't bother to show up at all. I think, they, and, I think that they were upset about the fact that they had to put their number one on the line and potentially No, no, no. It. They didn't put it on the line. It was taken from them. There was, there was, there was no benefit to them being and – that, and that was my biggest argument. It wasn't so much that, you know, it was, yeah, it was they all were risk. playing for something. It was all risk, no reward. They were already in the number one spot, which is which is over and done. But the people who are sitting around blaming Halak or saying that, you know, Halak's just not good enough for them to win. <laughs> have you counted the number of goals the Boston Bruins have scored? Have you? We're back to that whole thing where you have to it's score more than the other team. High enough. Like they're not scoring enough goals to win an average regular season game, 
much less to play, much less a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not scoring. Just yeah. not scoring. Why? Because they're not passing well. They're not skating well. They're not making good exits. They're not possessing for good periods of time in the offensive zone, and they're turning the puck over a lot. That's pretty much the definition of losing hockey, regardless of how well your goaltender is playing. That said, Halak could definitely be better. But if you're ranking problems... Who's the bigger Who's the bigger fan of Halak between the two of us? I, I don't know, and it's irrelevant. But if you're ranking problems, and I would say again, I would say this whether you had Halak, Vladar, Rask, Vasilevsky, Rene, Lundqvist, Price, Leonard, <laughs> uh, or any other goalie you care to name in net for the Boston Bruins right now. Elvis. No. Yes, if Elvis were in the building, I would say the same same thing. Goaltending at the level that we've seen right now in this playoff round, no more than the sixth biggest problem. And that is with my full definition of goaltender importance being at minimum 40% of a win. Minimum forty percentage, forty percent of a win. Things that is how bad the rest of their play is. How inconsistent they, the rest of their play is. The killer is things that I have read, and one of them being this this article from from the Boston Herald, written by a Steve Conroy. All want to blame Yarrow, and it's all come down to this one goal that Palat scored in yesterday's game, where. He didn't get all of it. It was a shot that he could see. It was not screened. And you know what? Goaltenders, I'm going to give you a little, little secret here. But goaltenders are human too. And they don't get every single shot. Sometimes pucks slip through. Most of the time Wait, they're screened. You mean sort or- of like skaters occasionally whiff on a puck? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's that that human element, you know. And goaltenders are human too. He missed it. That's not the reason they lost that game yesterday. They lost that game long before Palat scored that goal. And let me, Palat's goal—that was the third or fourth goal or whatever. That, made, that actually made it two to nothing. Two to nothing. The the Bruins in Game Three looked like an NHL team. Please note, I'm not saying contender. I'm not saying (laughs) cup champion, not even saying playoff team, but looked like an NHL team for about 10 minutes total. How many minutes are there in a hockey game? Um, let's see. 20 carry the three multiply by X. Subtract 17, 60 minutes. You're right. Yes. And let me let me get out the uh, the abacus uh, for just a second. But that's um, how I just did that. Want to say I want to say and someone please tweet me and correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't 60 more than 10? That's that little sign where like 
it looks like the jaws of a shark or something. And yes, it is. Okay. I, I wanted to be sure. I'm not a mathematician. Um, but so let me let me dive further into this numerology of hockey. I'm going to guess, and this is just a guess. I mean, yes, I have watched a lot of hockey, but I'm going to guess. Hold on for this one. You may want to write it down. You I may even want to be holding on while I deliver this groundbreaking theory. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to guess that the team that plays well at or above the NHL playoff level uh, minimum for the highest percentage of 60 minutes probably wins most games. Yes, except for game six of the 2013 Stanley Cup final. Well, we know who was <laughs> in net for that one. I mean, I wasn't going there, but okay, fair yes, enough. Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah, well, ah, I hate when you figure me out so easily. <laughs> it's not hard. Yes, the better team was winning until the last minute and a half of the game. So there are exceptions to the rule you stated, but for the most part, yes. The team that plays better for the better percentage of 60 minutes typically wins the game. Yes. And even though the the Boston Bruins have been bad and there's no there's no getting around it. They have not been all that good. Even in the game they won, it's, that would be the first game. Even it's not like that they it's not like they ran away with the game. What was the what was the final score? Three to one in that game? Something like that. Three, no, three to two. They scored a late they scored a late goal in that game. No, they scored to, two late goals on that one. It was I I want to say Tampa scored both of their oh, goals in the last seven or eight minutes of the game. Yeah, but, and it was yeah, it was third period. Halak had a shutout going. First goal came around around halfway into the period, yeah. Um but Tampa Bay is a really good team. And they're uh yeah. They're a they're even when Boston is playing at or close to their peak, they're a good matchup then. What we're seeing um it's pre you're what we're seeing from the Boston Bruins right now indicates that they're in no danger of high altitude sickness. No, they're just in danger of, of a losing, going home soon and uh, having a whole lot of time to think about what they're going to do with Tory Group. Um, honestly, at this point, if they haven't re-signed him, I don't expect him to be re-signed. Um, there's a lot of talk out there about the Toronto Maple Leafs going after uh, – Alex potentially going after Alex Petrangelo uh, in the wake I, of the Kapanen trade. I read I read something I read something about St. Louis is already off, has already offered has already started uh, negotiations with Petrangelo. They've already made him an offer, which doesn't in any way surprise me. Um, uh, no, I would certainly be making him an offer unless I was an idiot. 
but uh, I, I wonder when defender on the team. He's arguably the best defender in the Western Conference. Is he one of Is he another one of those Norris Trophy guys or guys who should have won a Norris Trophy but hasn't, or has he won one? I thought he won last year, but uh, don't quote me. I don't remember the award shows because they're um, about as good as the Bruins are playing right now. Agreed. Uh, but I'm starting to wonder when we're going to see rumors of teams uh, lining up to grab a hold of Tory Krug for next season and a few years beyond. Um, oh, they're going to be lining up with Tory Krug if they aren't already. The queue hasn't already started. Believe me. There, there are people. Up. My question is. If you don't re-sign him, and and it's certainly a topic for another time, we don't have to discuss it now. But mm-hmm. if you don't re-sign him, who then are you going to go after? Or are you uh, just going to which him? If you don't re-sign Tory Krug, who are you going to go after? Or are you just going to uh, bump up a Jeremy Lozon? Or I mean, Ugh. they've got. I like Lozon, but is he a replacement for Krug? No. Love Connor Clifton, still not the same type of player as Tory Krug. No, they they uh, I have seen no uh, no indications that they have uh, a Tory Krug replacement in the system. Um, you could make an argument that for one or two seasons, um, if he can show up and be healthy for um, for a training camp that it would be worth uh, taking a swing at Dustin Bufflin. Uh, but your other choices are what? They already have Zdeno Chara, although he's not signed either, as far as I know, um, in talking about Bufflin. Uh, quickly, just to let you know, Alex Petrangelo, along with Shea Weber, has never won a Norris Trophy. That is true. And that is also a crime. In both cases, it's a crime. But again, topic for another day. <laughs> but Alex Petrangelo, yeah, he's uh, last year it was Hedman that won the Norris Trophy. By the way, you're right. I hadn't uh, I hadn't looked it up. He may have been nominated. I just don't remember. Um, last time he was nominated was 1718. He was not nominated. He was actually ninth place. Ninth place. I, yeah, I don't get what people think <laughs> the closest, they're voting on sometimes. The, the closest he's come to a Norris Trophy was back in 2011-12. He finished fourth. And we're talking about Alex Petrangelo. Yes. The closest well, he's come but, was literally eight years ago he finished fourth. But ninth place last year, 16th the year before. He's been as low as 22nd in 14-15. I mean, What? Are we not watching the same hockey games? <laughs> Apparently not. Um, so other other free agents, real, real quick. Um, you've got Bufflin. You've got Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. Um, you could make the argument that losing uh, Krug and picking up Petrangelo is not a loss, but uh, they're about the same age. 
I, uh, I think they're both going to they, be getting somehow. If they somehow brought Petrangelo in, I would miss Tory Krug, but I can't see myself being upset over it. <laughs> I, I think that's probably the feeling that many people would have. Um, you've got Tyson Berry and Justin Schultz. Um, no, I believe Mike Green is now retired. Uh, um, as far as other left defense, uh, Andy Green, probably not a replacement. Um, Sammy Vatnin, injury history that's fairly long and distinguished. No. TJ Brody, he's a right defense, but um, as our Cody CC. Oh, wait, TJ Brody is the one on. TJ Brody is the one on Calgary. Yes. uh, Also age 30. Okay. I I keep thinking about the one from Colorado. He's actually not with Colorado. I think he got traded to Toronto. That that, That Tyson Barry or something Barry or. Tyler Myers, no? No, no, no. It was Barry. The, uh, uh, the guy oh, is awful. Yeah. And Toronto acquired him, which made total sense at the time because defense, defense Toronto, okay. <laughs> uh, you've got Chris Tanev and Jonathan Erickson. Um, there's not a lot of high-skill left defensemen out there. Um, in yeah, fact, I, I'd be hard pressed to name five in total, and I'm that's having, having a, gone through three already. I'm having a hard time. Yeah, looking at this list, I'm having a hard time. Dmitry Kulikov, Winnipeg, 29 years old, left defense. Uh, not the offensive juggernaut that you would be looking to replace. I mean, Brandon Dillon, no. Joel Edmondson, kind of no. Derek Forbert, yeah. He's exactly what the Bruins are looking for. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, there, there's just not is the problem. <laughs> there really just isn't. I mean, ooh, uh, it's Duncan Siemens. Duncan I mean, you can almost make the argument that the next best left defenseman available offensively is Zdeno Chara. Yeah, but he's already, you know. He's already with the team. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he's already very not young anymore. Uh, very not young. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Very not young. I honestly don't know what they do. Uh Who's the one? There is nobody in the system, literally no one in the system, who is going to do that much heavy lifting uh, offensively. It just, there's just no one there. Your your power play quarterback is going to end up being Matt Grizzly. But Charlie McAvoy. Okay, can we stop with the histrionics and the, and the, and, and, and the love affair with the Hall of Famer? No. But Charlie McAvoy. No. I mean, he's your, he's your number one defenseman. He's he, he's an elite player. you got to stop. <laughs> no. But why? He scored, he scored three goals for the other team. 
three goals for the other team. See, that's he's just, just trying to he's just trying to level the playing field. Oh, that's what it is. I should have seen that. I don't know why I didn't. That's why I'm here. I don't know why I didn't see that. Again, that's why I'm here. I mean, I just can, provide these insights that uh, no one else can. All right. Can we get Michael Sergachev? Good luck. Left defenseman. The problem is he's an RFA. Good luck. Entry level. He's 22 years old. Uh, did I say left defenseman already? Yes. All right, just throwing that out there. By the way, he's a left defenseman. Is he? Yeah. I mean, I that's uh, that that information is. How do how do we get him away from how do we get him away from Tampa Bay? That that information really isn't available. It's like, hold on to this one. Hold on for this one. You ready? Uh, yep, yep, yep. Airways uh, free of like fluids and gases, so you don't choke. Yes. Yes. Okay, rumor has it, and this is completely unconfirmed by any source, rumor has it that, and again, complete rumor, completely unconfirmed by any reliable source, but there's a persistent rumor in the Twitter sphere and in the media in general that Charlie uh, Charlie Coyle is from Weymouth. Um, Yeah, I, I... I've read that somewhere. I, yeah, I, I just find it astonishing that no one has been able to confirm that or, you know, done a story on such also, a monumentally a, important impact uh, p- foundation piece for a man. And, you know, the impact that a great community like that has on hockey and the world as a whole. I've also read that grass is green. No, nope. which, which is not necessarily true because if it's dying, it could be brown. But fake news. Can we trade for Ryan McDonough? If we could trade for Ryan McDonough, I would, I would go down to Florida and help pack his home. Have you seen his contract? I don't care, but yes, he's thirty-one years old. He, I mean, he's got a no-trade clause. Maybe but he's he making had, like, isn't he making under seven million or so? Six and three quarters. Yeah. Redonkey. For the next, for the next, um, well, let's say half decade minimum. <laughs> Ryan McDonough, if you're if you're drawing up a list of the twenty best defensemen in the league, and you don't have Ryan McDonough on there, uh, just burn everything that you use to put together your list. Just burn it, because it didn't help you even a little. He's a left defense. He doesn't. I mean, he didn't have the offensive output he's had in the two years ago. His offensive output was ridiculous. Yes, because Victor Hedman was injured for a lot of that season, and he got to play more power play time and more offensive zone time as well. Yeah, he had forty six points, but I mean, he's not usually in his younger days. He was mid thirties to low forties. This year, he only played in fifty games. Uh, so we're talking 12 points in those 50 games. He's only, he's only played in 662 games. I mean, yeah. Wow. 
I want to say he got a late start into the NHL, but um, he actually started the year the Bruins won the Cup, 2010-11. He played in 40 games that year, but he hasn't. He's only hit 82 twice in his career. Uh, he played. He's had 71, 73, 50 last year. 17-18, he played in 63 games. Uh, that's the only thing that might concern me is the – is there an Help. injury history there? Yeah. But other than that, yes, I, I really do like Ryan McDonough. My favorite thing with him is to get him confused with Ryan Johansson for some reason. I don't know why. One's a forward, one's a defenseman. I, I don't know why, but I always manage to get them confused. Um, you can The other way that you can tell them apart? They play on different teams. Right in one. <laughs> okay. Um, so what did you think of the uh, Kapanen trade that sent him back to Pittsburgh? I I don't know if it's – I don't know if it's just me, and maybe it is. But why are these – why are there teams out there that can't manage to focus on – their needs instead of just focusing on putting the puck in the net. Toronto well, defense. Apparently ah. putting the puck in the net, unless if you're outside of Boston is the only thing that matters. Uh, well, I'm going to let you in on a little, another little secret of hockey. It's not just, I understand that putting the puck in the net more than the other team wins you most games. Sure. But there's another aspect to it. And that is the aspect of trying to stop the other team from scoring more than you. And if you don't have defensemen that are capable of doing that, it Which makes it a done. lot. It makes it a lot more difficult. In fairness, Kapanen is probably as good at defense as any of the defensemen on their roster. So it <laughs> it probably is an on ice uh, improvement. They didn't get him for, like, toughness, right? It wasn't like, you know, they, they needed to get tougher? No, no, no. They're going to trade for Phil Kessel later in the offseason. I, I don't know. It was just – it was weird that they jumped all over it, and it was, like, right at – it wasn't very long after Toronto exited or, or – I mean, Pittsburgh exited in the play-in round or whatever you want to call it, but – and thank you, Montreal. Uh, can I? Can we just refer to that whole thing as the pretend ops? I like that word. Very good. We're gonna have. Uh, just, I'm writing that down. The they were very much pretend because. And do you know how we know? Not just because I said it, but because literally every broadcaster started started when the real first round started okay now that the real playoffs are here or now that the actual first round is here everyone said it literally yeah. everyone the on-air guys during the game the guys during the pre-show the guys during the intermission i will say doc and 
like him, don't like him. He didn't say he didn't call it that. He called it the traditional first round. He's saying the same thing. He's weasel wording, but he's saying the same thing. Yeah, but it sounds nicer. <laughs> I agree. It just sounds nicer. The traditional first round. Uh, yeah, the, it was enjoyable to watch, though. To, to I mean, Montreal just made Pittsburgh look bad. I think they exposed the fact that Pittsburgh doesn't have a viable defense. And wasn't getting good goaltending either. And the first move that they make out of the shoot is to acquire another forward. Yes. A 12 seed team who you should have beaten handily. I mean, yes. Did Carey Price step up? Absolutely. Did Shea Weber was a monster. You had guys like Petri who played at or above their, their normal level of play. Yep. Gallagher, uh, Domi. Nick Suzuki was a machine. Oh, I love Nick, Nick Suzuki. Suzuki. Had they legitimately, <laughs> if he had continued to play into this round the same way, he would be my consmith nominee for that team. As, as good as Carey Price was, as good as Shea Weber was, they were playing at the level that we expect we expect was, them to play based on their previous highs. He was so enjoyable to watch. I mean, I can see why Vegas drafted him. Oh. <laughs> I can see why Vegas drafted him. I just can't see why they let him go. Well, they wanted. Um, oh, I think didn't they get patches in that trade? Yes. Who, uh, by yes. the way, has not been terrible for Vegas. He's not been terrible, but that's because the rest of the team around him has been so good. It would be really, really difficult to be terrible. And let's face it. Patches is a passenger. Well, he, he gets may to lean play in the right direction when line. things are going well. He gets to play in a line with who is it? Is he on Stastny's line? Yeah. <laughs> so he's got uh, an above average center in Peter Stastny. I forget who's on the other wing, though. It's, it's not Stone. It's Paul Stastny. No, Stastny's the center. No, no, no. But you said Peter. That's oh. the elder. Peter, Paul, and yeah, okay. Didn't know Mary, but Peter and Paul. Yeah. Paul Stastny. Okay. My apologies to Peter and Paul. I did it again. I don't know who the other winger is on that line. It's not Tuck, it's is okay, it? It's okay, Brittany. Thank you. Is it Tuck? Anyway, regardless, yes, Patches has been sort of a passenger. He's been more prevalent in these playoffs than in the regular season. But, yeah, that was – I think Suzuki may have been a, a somewhat high price to pay and – and Mark Bergevin may have actually gotten the better of that deal. Oh, particularly when you, uh, particularly when you consider the age difference. I mean, Suzuki's what twenty-two at this point. Uh, twenty-one, twenty-two. You're gonna make me look it up. Uh, no, Pacioretty is actually playing on the Carlson Stone line. Oh, he is with um, as okay. of last night, or as of the most recent line update. Um, the official second line is. Uh, Marsha Salt, Stasny, and Riley Smith. No, that's not a good line at all. That's a terrible line. No. Because that Vegas team is, they're just horrible. I, I don't know why they're even still in the NHL. Shouldn't they have been relegated by now? Do we do relegation? Wouldn't that be fun if we could do relegation? <laughs> <sighs> 
Yeah, it except would. that Edmonton would still be like six years from making it back to the NHL, even with McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl. So Nick Suzuki and – oh, that's how they got – okay. So, yes, Vegas Golden Knights acquired Max Pacioretty. And in return, Montreal got Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, and a 2019 second-round pick, uh, which apparently they moved to Columbus because they picked somebody named Samuel Fagamo, 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 whatever, Fagamo. So they got Tatar and Suzuki. Um, Tatar, wash. But Suzuki, score. <laughs> Tatar has actually probably played his best playoff hockey. Admittedly, he hasn't played a lot of playoff hockey. Probably, arguably, he played his best playoff hockey this year. Uh, ten, ten, ten playoff games this year because they count the pretendoffs. Ten playoff games. He scored two yes. goals. Uh, he's actually played in 35 playoff games because he's played in the playoffs with the Red Wings. And he's got a whopping six. So, yes, one-third of his total playoff goals have come this year. Yeah. And I thought – and ignore the ignore the scoring for a minute. I thought that he – the way his game was in all three zones was superior to what I've seen from him in the past. And I think that a lot of that credit goes to – it goes to Julian. Um, yes. There is no coach in the NHL better at getting the most out of every player on their roster who's willing to try than he is. Um, I know that you said, you know, offensive stats not included, but would you care to tell me the best two offensive seasons that Tatar has had? Um... I would – I don't even know. I, I would that guess would that be, this was one of them. That would be the this year and last year with Montreal under Claude Julien. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't had, surprise me. He was almost a point-per-game player this year with Montreal. He was 68 games. He had 61 points. Last year with Montreal, 80 games, 58 points. He was a plus 21. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean – this is a guy who, yes, he had a 56-point season back in 14 and 15, 14, 15. Then he dipped a little, went down to 45, 46. Uh, the year that he was traded from the Wings to the Knights, he had a, to- a total of 34. He gets to Montreal under Claude, and what a system. No. Yes, rumor has it having an actual system for your players to play with. Um, something that I might have mentioned, I was still unable to identify in another coach that we could talk about. Yeah, we've um, already. So once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, having an actual system to play with only benefits your players. And 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 some sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Responsibility, accountability. Um, yeah. When you come back to the bench, the coach is possibly Feedback. going to ream you out if you don't put forth all the effort that's expected. Actionable <laughs> feedback. 
and this is this is again also why the New York Islanders are um, probably going to beat the uh, beat the Flyers uh, in that series. And I completely well, both of us, but we got away from this Kapanen thing. What is your opinion? Because like I said, my biggest issue with it was the fact that. Yes, you've got a decent player. I, I like Kapanen. I, I've said before that— Kapanen is the best player in that trade. Bruin, by, should, Bruin should have acquired him. He's a right winger. Uh, he would By look conventional good. Occam's razor, the team who gets the best uh, player wins. Um, except yes. Pittsburgh probably has a greater need for defense than Toronto does, which is— an amazing statement. That is quite the statement. Wow. <laughs> um, especially considering Toronto flat out has better goaltending. Um, so unless they are planning to flip Kapanen themselves, or they're going to move on from one of their forwards who's a big name, I I do not love this trade. Um, I don't. I don't think this trade actually hurts Toronto. I think despite the fact that Kapanen is a solid contributor and a top six forward in pretty much any team in the league, um, I think it might actually hurt Pittsburgh. The thing is, the two the two players that are going to have any solid impact, and I can't, I shouldn't say it that way, but the two players that are going to have an immediate impact, if any of them at all, for the Pittsburgh Penguins are both forwards because they acquired Kasperi Kapanen. They also got the Pope, Pontus Aberg, and then they acquired a defenseman who has not played any games in the NHL in Jesper, in Jesper or Jesper Lindgren. The Toronto Maple Leafs acquired a forward in Evan Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. They acquired another forward who has not played a game in the NHL in Philip Hollander. And they also acquired a defenseman, David Warsawski. Oh, right. David Warsawski. I mean, that is a franchise cornerstone. So um, if you're playing in the Southern Professional Hockey League, the two teams. The two teams that are in dire need of some sort of defensive improvement made a deal which improved neither team's defense. <laughs> You're I'm right. So- I'm sorry. It, I'm sorry. That's just not working for me. I I mean, there's a lot of talk surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs this postseason or this offseason for them, as there always is, um, about Kyle Dubas being that big game hunter. Well, um, he was supposedly freeing up cap space by trading Petrangelo. Yes, happening to go after Petrangelo. The problem but, here is that you traded away 3.2 million Kapanen and brought in two million in Evan Rodriguez. So you've yes. only ultimately saved a million two. That's correct. That's not getting the job done for for Petrangelo. Uh, that that would be correct. Thank um, you. My point here, though, is he's also rumored to be shopping Anderson, which 
I honestly find baffling because Frederick Anderson has been so far from being the problem in Toronto that unless he's sick of the place, I well, do not understand why you would trade him. Okay. Would you not be sick of the place if they refuse to put defense in front of you? Almost certainly. And oh, by the way, you have to – now, a Goldie will probably never complain about how much work they have. I mean I've never heard – I never heard Cam Ward, Cam Ward utter – anything negative about his playing time. I never heard Lundquist utter negative words about his playing time. But if you're as abused as those two, and Frederick Anderson is pretty damn close, um, and they had better defenses in front of, well, maybe not Cam Ward, but they had defenses in front of them, and he doesn't until they brought in Muzzin, who got hurt. I just, I, no. Jack Campbell? Really good backup in L.A. Not sure how he's going to play as a number one. You're going to trade Frederick Anderson and leave yourself with no goaltending? Apparently. Are you expecting that Garrett Sparks is going to be your number one? I don't even know who they have in the hey, system. It worked for Jordan. It worked with uh, St. Louis for Jordan Bennington. I mean... <laughs> Well, the last time Toronto traded away a decent goaltender, um, or at least perceived to be decent goaltender, uh, yeah, the, the Bruins kind of capitalized on that supposedly. But as far as goaltending, yeah, okay. So non-roster goalies, uh, Joseph Wall. Oh, Joseph Wall, he played it, if I'm not mistaken, Boston College. Um, yep. Ian Scott, Casimir, Kessie. Oh, they traded away Garrett Sparks. They don't even have Garrett Sparks anymore. Yep, terrible. Now, had they hung on to Robin Leonard, <laughs> what am I thinking? Why would they do that? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, Kyle Dubas, keep up the good work, my man. <laughs> I don't understand the cap and trade. It, it, I, I, it doesn't help either team. It's going to get Pittsburgh more goals, but again, goaltending being the issue, defense being the issue, it doesn't solve any problems for you. And that's where I'm going to end it. I, I can live with that. Um, I, I think that the clock is running out on Kyle Dubas. Um, that's a they absolutely just got there a couple of years ago. Doesn't Although matter. He, he was in the minors for many, many years, but as far Does as not being matter. GM team. When you're spending as much money as they're spending, you need to win. You need to win in the postseason. They're not doing that. He's got maybe one, he's got one, maybe two more postseasons of this level of yeah. abject failure. Austin Matthews, 11 plus. John Tavares, 11. Mitch Marner, slightly oh, under 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He's a Neilander. big game hunter. Neilander, slightly under seven. Trading Kapanen, I know I just said I was going to end it, but trading Kapanen is not the solution that's going to get you, Petrangelo. You needed to trade Nylander if you were going to trade anybody. Yes. That would free That would free up your money to get Petrangelo. Or trade Tavares. Or Tavares. Because Tavares is six years older than, I'm sorry, five years older than Nylander. Nylander probably would 
Nylander probably has more desire on the market because he can play both wings. Tavares is pretty much just a center. I know they don't want to give up Marner or Matthews, and that's fine. Hang on to them. You spent mm-hmm. the money anyway. Yeah, no. I'm okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> so you claim. Um, I guess we're far enough into the playoffs where we can finally have this conversation in a reasonably intelligent manner. Okay. What do you think of the officiating? No. <laughs> the officiating? What? <laughs> um, con Smythe picks. Are we far enough into the playoffs or con? I mean, I can make a, yeah. I can, I didn't make a list, but. I have a list for each team. Now, a couple of them are obviously going to be... Okay, need to get a life. A couple of them are obviously going to be gone, and and I think I have a reasonable idea of who's going to stay at about the same level going forward. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll start out west with the team that I actually expect to win the Stanley Cup at this point. Vegas? Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be Robin Leonard. Yes, sir. That's where I'm at. Look, Marc-Andre Fleury has done great things for the team. Robin Leonard right now is stupidly hot and stupidly as calm. We've, as we've already discussed earlier in the show with those. Calm-focused you know, and hot. Guy is just. You can make a case for a couple of different uh, skaters, but for me, it's Robin Leonard. Uh, yeah. He's handled the controversy. He's handled the duties. No, he's not facing as many shots as some of the other goaltenders. Don't care. That's a that's a defense thing, but okay. Gee, that defense uh, coming up again. I don't know what that is all about. Um, we've talked about this guy once or twice in the show, or it, on the show in general over the last couple of years. My pick to end up on the Selkie uh, no- nominee list uh, sometime in the next two to three seasons Mm-hmm. Horvat, Bo Horvat, um, Bo knows clutch. Uh, he's been everything. Uh, face-offs, goals, um, assists. If it's been done for Va- uh, for Vancouver, he's done it or helped do it. I would have to agree right now with Bo Horvat. I mean, he's he's been. The he's been the the reliable one on the power play. He's been, yeah, okay. They got to fully back. He had a really good first game back. Uh, Markstrom has been playing above his fighting weight. Oh, absolutely. For the most part. I, I would not complain if someone named Markstrom. I really wouldn't. He's been definitely playing above his fighting weight, but right now, yeah, it, it's got to be it, right now. It's got to be Horvat. Uh, JT Miller. JT Miller probably second, but I, I I don't think it's a close second. No, uh, and both of us like JT Miller. Yes. Um, the abs, I think this one is less obvious, and I'm prepared for the blowback. I did not pick uh, the guy number one in scoring, who almost everyone would pick by default. I did not pick the guy we saw uh, come out of college last year. I picked the former Toronto Maple Leaf, Nazim Kadri. <laughs> Had you asked me a couple of games ago, I would have said Kadri. And I don't know. I mean, 
the one guy who's produced in every in every game is Nathan McKinnon. Certainly not the goaltending. There's nobody on defense. I like Makar. You like Makar, but I don't. I'm not ready to anoint him as a Conn Smythe. Mm-hmm. I like Kadri, but Kadri is a streaky player, and he was putting it together, and then he disappeared. I'm not saying that he's David Krejci in any by any stretch, but he hasn't disappeared quite that much. But Nathan McKinnon's been the the consistent one, and for me, the consistency is what gets him the Conn Smythe. I, as I said, I, I'm prepared to listen to other opinions on it. Um, this one isn't as strong, partly because I feel that they're probably going to be eliminated. Um, but uh, I, I I have always liked it when Kadri can keep his game below the suspension threshold. <laughs> and that's the other thing. He's managed to keep himself in check. Yeah. Unlike when he was on the Maple Leafs. And see, I, I firmly believe that some of his frustration and antics in Toronto was, well, one, the head coach, and two... I was just about to say that. I think Jared Bednar has had been a better influence on him than than Babcock. <laughs> and two, some of the other players there who either are not emotional enough and just feel detached for long stretches, or who are basket cases well unfair to call them basket cases but (laughs) not in control of their emotions by the way have you seen jared bednar he's a lot bigger than people think he is yeah he's he he's a big dude yeah but i definitely think that there's i i definitely think that there's been some there's been a positive influence there with the head coach i don't think babcock was right for cadre at all I think Bednar has been able to get the best out of Kadri, putting him in a position to produce night in and night out. So I, I think in Dallas a, he's just a streaky player. Dallas, I think in, oh. yeah, I think there's only one real choice in Dallas again. Uh oh, and it's a net. Yes, Anton Hudobin is the man. Dobby has just been. He was the man in Boston. <laughs> he's been a stud. Like, legitimately, Bishop went down again, and they're facing one of the two best teams in the West. Hudobin has done the job and done it without the the fanfare. I mean, he's starting to get his name mentioned by the the commentators now. I mean, here's the thing. He's gotten them into the second round. When Tyler Sagan didn't score a goal in the playoffs until the second round, Sagan went the entire pretendoffs and the entire first round without a goal. Yeah. You'd, you'd probably get some pushback from Miro Heiskanen fans. In fact, they seem to be hyping the, the, the triumvirate of young defensemen in the NHL, and that triumvirate is Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, and Miro Heiskanen. Who are so going you might to be- get aggressively entertaining for the next decade and a half. Absolutely. But, but I don't right think now, Heiskanen's not there yet, no. It's the Hudobin <laughs> show. Yes, without a doubt. Um, out east, you know what? If you Coming into this round, 
if I had to pick someone for Boston, had to, it would have been David Krejci. But he's not been there this round. It's just so he's tough to make there. an argument. It's a tough to make an argument for for almost anyone. But so. if I if I have to pick someone from Boston, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it, and it's gonna be Brad Marchand. Leading the okay. team in points, only taken two penalty minutes the entire uh, postseason, and there's something. Gotten, there's a story there, by the way. There, I don't know. There's a story there, and he's only and he's actually made. Uh, he's actually had solo, both solo and team efforts that have contributed to wins. Like. Obviously, there's been line. Uh, there's been nights where that line has looked good for three or four shifts, but there's been nights where, yeah, he was, he did some amazing stuff. Uh, in game one of the uh, of the of the current series, yeah, he looked great. I mean, not good. He looked great. But overall, if you're asking me to only vote for seven teams to have a to have a Con Smythe nominee out of everyone who's left as of right now today, mm. I, I'm leaving Boston off the list. Can I throw a vote toward Connor Clifton? <laughs> you can throw a vote towards Connor Clifton. He's probably going to bury his shoulder into it, but hey. Uh, I love watching Cliffy hockey. Oh, he's um, going to be fun to watch as well. Uh, I, I, I don't know. No, uh, just Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say for Boston, I, I I don't think that I can argue because there really hasn't been, as you say, I, I, if Halak was if if it was two two, Halak was better. Maybe I, I, no, it's it's got to be Marchand. Pasta hasn't been playing up to his full level. I think there's still something there too. I don't. People say that Pasta's back, you know, and, and I've heard the commentators say it watching the games, but. To me, he does not look back. No, he when he has when he's playing his best, he has that breakaway acceleration, not in the first three or four strides, but in like five through 12 strides, five through 12, where he is simply ridiculous. Um, The other thing that I've noticed and you probably have as well on the power play, it might just be the addition of Krejci. I hope. That's not it because I don't think it works as well. I think they spend too much time passing with Krejci on the top unit, but they have Pasternak way up at the blue line most of the time instead of. Um, he's at the other, yeah, he's he's playing the other point on the power play. It, yeah, normally he plays down uh, around okay. the faceoff circle. Normally he's um, in the, normally he's in the left faceoff dot. That's his that's his domain. You got Marsha and plays the other side or. Uh, or the point. Uh, Bergeron plays the pivot, and DeBrusque. Actually, I think Marshawn plays the other point, and I think DeBrusque takes the the right wing spot. I think. I, don't get me wrong. I haven't seen their normal power play in a while. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what's going on. And by speaking of DeBrusque, if I had to make, an, if I had to come up with an argument against Marshawn, I think DeBrusque would be the only other player that I throw votes to uh, it, for me it would be coil but yeah and and or charlie coil yeah i could see that as well but again neither one of them would be a second to 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 Marshawn. right now i think he's been uh, above and beyond 
with his effort. So you were going on Tampa Bay. Sorry, I didn't mean to hold you up. Yes, you did. Uh, I mean, well, most people are probably going to throw it at Vasilevsky or Kucherov, and I guess you could live. I could with, could live with that. A really good argument could be made for point. Mm-hmm. But I think especially in light of him coming back from injuries and McDonough going out with injuries, that Hedman has to be the guy uh, leading Thank the parade you. right now. Thank you, Victor Hedman. We're not um, disagreeing. We're not disagreeing a lot. So I'm going to throw out another name. Uh, Con Smythe Award winner for Tampa Bay is Charlie McAvoy. <laughs> Ooh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I mean, he had, he probably yeah. leads the team. Uh, he probably leads Tampa Bay in, uh, in goals and primary assists at this point. I said it out loud. Oh, yes, yeah, you did. Um, oops. Can I say oops? No, no. Sorry. Yes, you can. Yes. Brittany. No, I agree. Hedman, Hedman for me, he's just been, and he's been – it's not like he's done anything different. He's been that – the the rock – he's been – He's been the, the elite defenseman that he always is when healthy. And – That top yet, five defenseman at worst. It's fun to watch him play when he's healthy. Oh, he's just – yeah. Um, very, very much fun to watch. So we got two teams left. And I think it's I think there I think there's another obvious one here. And while I try not to make the obvious picks all the time, sometimes they're obvious because they deserve to be mm-hmm. uh, for the Islanders. It has to be Lee. The captain. I mean, some people are going to make an argument that uh, Varlamov has been. Varley has been good. Uh, you'd also get arguments for Matthew Barzal. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that ultimately, yeah, I think if you really boil it down and you look close and, and you, you watch an Islanders game. Yeah. I think Anders Lee has to be the, has to be the pick. I like, I like the fact that Varlamov is showing that his time in Colorado was not the sum of its parts. I mean, he, appeared to at times really be struggling in Colorado. And I don't know if it's an issue with they didn't have a solid defense in front of him. I think that's part of the story. That's part of it. Yes. But behind the defense that he currently has in on the Island, he's actually particularly great, but he's performing better. Oh, so there's, there's another, there's something else. I think that that defense was better than the ones he was playing behind in Colorado. Probably, but, you, but you're right. It's not any kind of elite. I love Scott Mayfield. I, uh, I wouldn't push him away if the Bruins were going to bring him in. I think that he's solid. He's not great, but I think he's solid. Uh, but there's there's a mindset there, and and there's some, an argument to be made for goaltenders sometimes needing a change of venue. And I think that or, I don't think it's just goaltenders. Uh, and I think that I suspect that. Part of the secret to uh, Barry Trot's success is engendering good communication between skaters and goaltenders. 
Um, I think that's I think that's part of why Varley's playing well too. I think it has to come down to the coach again. Um, and the last one, the last one surprised Billy. me. Um, I was given what I've seen. I was expecting to put another defenseman in here. Really? Um, Which one? Or or maybe Carter Hart. Um, because I'd say Carter Hart before any of the defensemen. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Philly defensemen that have jumped up and said, ooh, pick me, pick me. Uh, but again, given how well Hart has performed, I was expecting to look at the at the advanced stats and say, oh, it's this guy and this guy who are who are doing some of the heavy lifting. Um, and while I like Carter Hart, uh, I think that you get him one more useful defenseman who can play 22, 23 minutes a night in front of him uh, and play really solid in the defensive zone. And there's a lot, there's a lot uh, there, but I ended up, uh, I ended up settling on Kevin Hayes and I really don't regret it. (sighs) Um, And I know his brother put a bad taste in our mouth. uh, Well, uh, during his time playing in Boston or, Wearing the Bruins uniform. Thank you. Wearing a Bruins sweater and stealing their money. Uh, Kevin Hayes. The, uh, sa- the the thing is, I'm having a hard time making an argument against it. Exactly. Um, you know, That's you my the- problem. It's it's not that I want. Not that I do or don't like the guy. I can't make an argument against it. He's he's the one that's been putting forth. I mean, his effort has been. His effort has been top notch. I can't argue it. He's he he's been out there trying to show that he's worth the the contract that they gave him. There isn't a defenseman that I can make an argument for. The big the big stars on that team haven't been performing. Of all the guys to play ten or more uh, playoff games for them, he's got the highest on ice uh, even strength goals for percentage. Um, at 78.6. He's been on ice for 11 even strength goals, uh, four and three against. That's enormous. The next uh, highest forward is Travis Konechny, uh, and he's 8% lower. Um, seven goals for and three goals against. You stop and you think about. I mean, they made a big deal about the fact that Sean Couturier scored a goal in the last game that they played, or something like. It's like that shouldn't be a big deal. It's Sean Couturier; he should be scoring. Uh, Jacob Voracek should be scoring or getting a boatload of assists. Claude Giroux should be scoring. They are not. Oh, and the other thing, Kevin Hayes also leads the team in scoring. I mean, it's not a great number. It's only nine points in twelve games. Well. It's nine points in twelve games. It's not. There's no only when it comes to the playoff scoring. Who's the um, top faceoff guy? Top faceoff guy is probably Sean Gutierrez. Uh He's at fifty-eight point two percent. I mean, Michael Raffle, who's only played seven games, uh, is at sixty percent. But without looking at the actual faceoff count, I'm willing to bet that Kateria has played has taken quite a uh, has taken quite a few more. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, let's see. Kateria has taken has won 103 uh, faceoffs, taken 177. 
Uh, Raffle, yeah, he's only taken a handful. Uh, okay. I didn't know if Kevin Hayes, I mean, he is a center. I didn't know. Uh, Nate his. Thompson is actually probably is second uh, among the guys who have taken more than 100 faceoffs. Nate Thompson was apparently well liked in Montreal. Because when they, when, when Montreal was eliminated by Philly. Mm hmm. In the traditional first round, uh, they and they were doing the handshakes and everything else. It, it, outside of the Carter Hart uh, Admiration Society for Carey Price, and they, and they focused on that. But when Nate Thompson was going through the the handshake line, and they were and all the Canadians were stopping and talking to him, and this and that, apparently well liked when he was in Montreal. Yeah, and. It- the thing is, is he only he played under 100 games there. It was 63 games in this most current season and 25 games the year before. Um, he spent most of his – well, he's bounced around a lot at this mm-hmm. point. He's played Philly, Montreal, L.A., Ottawa, Anaheim, Tampa Bay, um, New York Islanders, but started his career in Boston. There you go. I knew you'd get there eventually. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, just just an observation. He apparently he was well liked off. for his apparently well liked for his short time in in Montreal. He works his butt off. It's well, that simple. And <laughs> that's and that's usually what endears you to not only your teammates but the fans as well. I mean, I mean, where, the, whatever whatever that guy decides to do when he finally uh, stops playing, he can probably go to any of the cities he's played in. And be well received as you know, an assistant coach or whatever it is, whatever it is is going to do. Um, Agreed. What else? Ha- or what have we missed uh, on today's topics? Uh, well, the only other thing that I threw up there was uh, it was a fan-sided story. So, uh, oh, the Cooper uh, League one, written by. Well, the or Kuba League story. The Kuba League story came from ESPN, but it, it the Kuba League story is basically a rehash of the Panarin, and we kind of touched on it. Uh, Do we okay. touch on a pre-show? But basically, Chicago's not going to be able to afford him with the situation that they're currently in cap-wise. When if and when Brent Seabrook and Andrew Shaw, when their money suddenly becomes available. So the story was basically that they're going to have troubles, again, signing a rookie of the year or a potential rookie of the year like they did with Panarin. I mean, Panarin was, what, 26 rookie of the year, and they had to yep. trade him away because they couldn't afford him. And the possibility of them having to do that again with Kubalik is bigger than they expect. Now, my, my thing is with the fan-sided story, and I take kind of umbrance with this just because – the, the, this fan decide, has written a story saying that, and it's Vincent Parise, uh, basically saying that it's time for Chicago Blackhawks to fire Jeremy Colleton. Thoughts? Um, he must enjoy writing in front of a laugh track. Uh, I mean, earlier we talked about goaltending in Boston being no more than the Sixth uh, highest uh, priority as far as or sixth sixth largest deficit in the series. And coaching coaching is not any any higher on the list in 
in Chicago. They got more than they paid for with the youngest roster in the playoffs. Yes, you have the old guys with, you know, um, Keith and Kane and Taze and one or two other holdovers, but they still had the youngest average age of any team heading into the playoffs. And they went toe-to-toe. They went toe-to-toe with Connor McDavid and um, Dreisaitl and walked away the winners. Yeah. And you were running out. You were running out defensemen. I mean, and and Slater Cuckoo looked fabulous as far as as far as Chicago was concerned. Slater Cuckoo looked really good. Uh, he's an RFA. Connor Murphy looks solid. Olimata, wow. Olimata looked like everything Pittsburgh hoped they were getting. Um, and never did. And, and never really did. didn't uh, after his first or second season because he was never healthy. Calvin DeHaan got to follow. Uh, Calvin DeHaan was on the ice basically whenever Connor McDavid was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they played, who did who eliminated Chicago? Was it Colorado? Colorado eliminated Chicago. I mean, because he was out there against Nathan. I, I, I think it was because I think he was out there against yeah. Nathan McKinnon. Well, I mean, Calvin DeHaan played his heart out. He's 29 years old. He plays both sides. He plays mm-hmm. left and right defense. So does Slater Cuckoo. I mean, yeah, Jeremy Colleton is not the problem here. In fact, I think Jeremy Colleton, if you can keep him around with the bunch of youngsters that you have and have him establish that uh, cachet with the youngsters. Yes, I think that's going to benefit the team. I think swapping out and getting yet another coach is not I, – I, I think you might be doing more harm than good at this point. Oh, absolutely. And, and by the way, they, your options to bring in coaches is not great with the exception ding, ding, ding. of like with Peter Laviolette. And that's uh, – you just touched on two points that don't get enough conversation around the NHL or other sports. The – constant rotation of coaches in some cities it's bad for the development of players even even though coaches will lose the locker room eventually after x number of seasons if there's a lot of uh, stability on the roster changing coaches every two seasons or every season Mm -hmm. it doesn't own any good and the other point is obviously who are you replacing them with if you're bringing in a different system, and I and and my apologies, I I forgot Gerard Gallant is out there too, and he led he led the the inaugural Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup final. You can't really hate on the guy for that. It, why they changed out mid year and brought in Peter DeBoer, I don't get. But and and apparently neither do the people in doing the hockey games because they were questioning why he was and whether he should be a good fit for Washington. I mean, Mike Babcock really isn't a good fit anywhere. Yeah, I said that out loud, even though you whispered it. Um, I think Gallant deserves another chance somewhere else. I think he's shown that he can manage. He didn't – he can coach. He didn't have a very good time in Florida. But then again, 
Does anybody have a good time in Florida? Um, usually away from the rink, yes. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, you're you're a couple of miles from Miami, so. Laviolette's been to more than one Stanley Cup final. Uh, in fact, I think he has a couple of rings, three, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, something like that. So, yeah, I, but changing out a system, no, leave Colleton there with the youngsters. They learn his system. They develop a, a rapport, and you start a new tradition. Instead instead of always looking back to Kane and Taze, now you've got Kirby Doc. Find a way to get Kualik in keep Kualik in the system. Um, Alex Debrinket is probably going to be your, one of your top two or three scorers over the next half dozen years. You know, mm-hmm. it, but if you're constantly swapping out coaches and changing out systems and or or lack thereof, I, or better still, work. trading for guys who used to be on the team and now cost thirty percent more. You're not Ooh. talking about like Brandon Saad, are you? Nope, not talking about anyone in particular. It's the whole idea of it. I just, I, I just wanted to throw it out there because I thought the concept of, of getting rid of Colleton was farcical Absurd. at best. Absurd. Yes. Okay, that I believe clears the slate. It does. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Um. Drop us a tweet during the week. Um, I had fun this week. Uh, I think we covered uh, a a good variety without skipping through things too quickly. Um, Those of you who are going to be somewhere in the Cape Cod neighborhood this week, uh, keep your eyes out. You might run into Chris. I will be back, however, in time for next week's show because – the show must go on and it's definitely playoff season so i will be back for next week's show yay um oh before we go quick prediction uh for stanley cup i gave mine like final <laughs> like who's Winner? winning the cup well, you stole mine. I, I, I stole. Think, I think Vegas is going to win it all. I, I can't really make an argument for anybody else at the moment. Vegas is just – right now, Vegas is the entire package or, or the best complete package that's out there. They've got the goaltending. Defense has been, has been staunch. It, like you said, Leonard not facing as many shots. Uh, the only time he seems to have issues is when they get clogged up in front of him. Well, when doesn't that happen to any goaltender? Uh, but two shutouts in three games against a team as offensively gifted as Vancouver is. Mm, okay. So offensively gifted and mobile. I mean, Vancouver is, yes, they're playing. They, they hit this level a couple of years sooner than any of us. I was really say, they're, expected. they're playing with house money right now. Yeah. But they're still there. There's, they did not lock into uh, making it into the se- into the second round, there was no there were no garbage goals off of uh, there were no garbage goals that I don't know backed uh, bounced off the back glass 
uh, came back onto the ice and then uh, got buried on a slap shot because only one person on the ice saw it land. And I'm not none of that. And I'm not entertaining any arguments of people who want think that in any way this is Travis Green's fault that they're losing to Vegas. Travis Green no. is Travis Green is is the coach they need right now and for the foreseeable future with the group of kids that they have. End of story. But yeah, I, yeah. I'd have to say Vegas is the Vegas right now has to be the favorite. They are the most complete team. Tampa Bay is solid second. I think that might be your final. Um, I, I don't. I, given, I mean, Barry Trotz. the Islanders finish off the Flyers, finish off. I the give Flyers. them a very good chance of beating Tampa Bay because the coaching because their coaching is better. Um, yeah, that that be, I can see that. I can see Barry Trotz de- designing something that to take down Tampa Bay. I could see that. And let's face it, uh, if, you know, the uh, if the coaches are going at it uh, on their favorite arena, uh, by comparison, one coach is uh, struggling with uh, tic-tac-toe and the other one is playing chess. <laughs> so Vegas. And on that note. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening uh, until next week. Uh, Take care and uh, happy hockey.